You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. Welcome back to the podcast. Probably some of you are saying, no, 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 no. We welcome you, Justin Gleason, to the podcast. Where have you been, man? Well, there are reasons for things. As many of you know, sickness has swept the earth. And no, I did not get COVID. I've already had that and the horrible variants. I got the flu. I did. I was flat on my back for a long time. It's it's weird. It's like sickness is intensified. It used to be you'd get the flu for a day. You know, they had that 24-hour that flu thing. Sometimes three days. If it was really bad at the max, five days. But I've been hearing it from people. They're like, man, I had the flu and I was flat on my back for, for seven days, eight days, nine days. And I, you know, I didn't think it could happen to me, but it did happen to me. And I don't get it. I've been taking every vitamin that I could get my hands on and uh, sleeping good, you know, doing things to take care of myself, building my immune system. But I tell you what, I've, I learned it back in 2020 that microbes don't care if you're Holy Ghost filled or not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got sick. And then after I got better, I got food poisoning. It was horrible. Uh, but uh, thankfully, Sister G was there to uh, help me in sickness and in health, as she vowed to do. And then uh, we've been dealing with some sickness uh, uh, in, with our children too. It's just been uh, it's been hard. But uh, thankfully, everybody's okay. Everybody's going to be okay, and God is so good. So we're glad to be back with you here on the podcast. I've certainly missed doing this. And thank you for all of you who have been checking up on me. We're doing great. We're doing well. Our God is still in control. He's always in control whether you're sick or not. Uh, God doesn't get sick. Uh, there's no outbreaks of the flu or COVID or anything like that in uh, heaven. But uh, we, the schmucks here down on the earth, have to deal with all of that stuff. But you can mark it down. One day, one happy day, one glorious day, we are going to be caught away up into heaven, and all the sicknesses of the earth are going to vanish. Yes, they will. They will. I want to pick up sort of where I left off in the past few weeks, and I've been kind of presenting to you all the idea of producing what God gives you, taking what God gives you and making it better for yourself and for others and to benefit the kingdom of God. Uh, we brought you the title, Getting a 100 from the Sower, and it's taken from the parable of the sower. Uh, he sowed seeds, some fell by the wayside, some fell by the stones, and some fell among thorns. You definitely don't want to be in that category. That's uh, when the devil comes and takes the word, or uh, uh, trials in life, or even the good things in life steal the word out of your heart. But We want to be on good ground. Position in a place to hear the word that is written in the scriptures, what the Spirit is speaking, and of course what your pastor 
an evangelist and other ministers speak into your life. You want to be in a good place to hear what they have to say and to receive it and let it grow you. That's what the parable of the sower is about. It's, it's about what God gives you, it grows you. It says in the parable, some grew 30, some grew 60, and some grew 100. And my idea is why have 30 when you can get 60? Or why stop at 60 when you can get at uh, 100? I want all of us to be 100s. I want all of us to be uh, in the 100s. And, and you, 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 we talked about the parable of the uh, talents. We want to get five talents from the Lord. Why have one when you can get two? Why have two when you can get five? And I, I know people have been preaching it for decades that God doesn't call the qualified. <laughs> he qualifies the called, right? And, and uh, it gets people to the altar. I have yet to preach it. Maybe one day I'll get desperate and preach that and get everybody flat on their face. But I've been preaching it lately, and it's going really well. It's resonating with people, and the Spirit agrees with it. That Yeah, God doesn't call you when you're qualified. You know, God... <laughs> And you walk into church, hey, I've got a, a doctorate in this and that and the other, and you, you sit down in the in the highest and best chair in the sanctuary. You know, you sit in the bishop's seat, the pastor's seat, and Holy Ghost is like, uh-uh, go sit in the back and wait for somebody to promote you. It's like God is kicking everybody out who, who thinks they're licensed and ready to go and choosing the person who is completely green, completely green. But there are certain qualities that God looks for, uh, like David. David was a man after God's own heart. That's a quality, a quality that God looks for. Uh, Isaiah had a hard time with the Lord, uh, choosing him to be uh, one of the greatest prophets, uh, definitely one of the greatest prophets to foresee uh, what God would do in the downfall and the restoration of the kingdom of Israel and what Messiah would accomplish for, for Israel and what Messiah would, of course, accomplish for the the New Testament church. But uh, God said, who will go? And he, he said, here am I. Send me. That's a quality. That's an attitude that God looks for in whom he chooses and in whom he um, gives gifts to and who he promotes and who he gives responsibility to. And yes, a certain dynamic of the anointing, a level of the anointing. He does that. We're picking up from there, and I want to give you the subject, getting 10 cities from the nobleman. Getting 10 cities from the nobleman, and it's taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. The word says, Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And so he called ten servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him hmm. and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. 
have authority over ten cities. A second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in my handkerchief. Ah, for I feared, I feared, I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap where you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you, that to every one who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. (laughs) I want you to notice something about the Lord. When he used parables to describe the kingdom of God, in these three parables specifically, and many others, you notice how the Lord always refers to himself as like a master or a lord of the vineyard or a nobleman, a father, uh, an heir. You notice you never see him referring to himself as somebody who is lazy. He doesn't. He always refers to himself as somebody in charge. And in those parables, the people that he chooses, the people that he favors, are they the ones that are doing nothing? (laughs) Are they the ones who sit idle? Are they the ones who are poor and victims and uh, cast out? No. He always refers to the people that he favors in his parables to those who make something happen. To those who didn't complain, but to those who went out and produced. Went out and invested went out and did something. This parable here talks about 10 servants, and each one was given a mina, a little a, a little piece of money. I don't want to get into it. You know, I'm learning as a preacher. I used to, let me give you a, a side note here for some of you preachers out there. Be careful how much you get into the Greek and Hebrew and, and the culture and stuff like that. I know it's interesting, but for the most part, most people out there could care less. I'm just learning that, so I'm trying to eliminate that. I'm trying to because I find it interesting. But it was just a, a little piece of money. It's referred to in the Old Testament, Amina. And, and not a lot, but, you know, he gave it to him and said, do something with it. I'm going away for a while. Everybody hates me, but I'm coming back. I want you to forget about who hates me. I forget about all of that and just do something with what I gave you. One guy went and invested it, did something with it, and got 10 Minas took one and got 10. One took his little Mina and got five. And another one said, I'm not going to invest. I'm just going to hide it. The master comes back and just praises and favors the man who got 10 Minas. And he says, you're going to have 10 cities. (laughs) The one who got five, you get five cities. And the one who got nothing, he got nothing. He got nothing. He didn't even get to keep uh, what the master gave him because it wasn't his to begin with. It was the master's money. And he said, here, I'm going to share it with you. Produce something. Uh, That's our Lord. 
I, I know lately it's been, you know, Jesus is only hanging out with bums. And God died for everybody, obviously. But I think there's just been this false depiction of Jesus that he only cares about the down and out. That he only cares about the people who are just down on their luck. I I don't know. I see a different Jesus when I read the New Testament. Uh, do you see him calling lazy people to follow him? No. He called people who are actually doing something accomplished. Fishermen? Fishermen was a major career back then. It was actually something to be feared by most people. You had to be brave to get out there and fish. And fishermen were pretty well-to-do. Uh, the Galileans uh, were, were known for catching fish, uh, primarily herring, and they would pickle them and uh, export them all throughout the empire. Did very well for themselves. Uh, tax collectors? <laughs> uh, yeah, they had money. Believe me. But you see, Jesus, yes, he does cast a demon out of a guy. A guy who was out of his mind. A guy who cut himself and lived in the tombs. That was his resume. That was his reputation. And after the Lord delivered him, the guy says, Lord, may I follow you? It's like he's saying, Lord, may I become one of your disciples and do it as you do it. Can I be as great as Peter, James, and John? Did the Lord say, oh, that's sweet. Yes, let me develop you as a leader. Follow me and let me make you great in my kingdom. Uh, no, not my Bible. It says that he said, no, you're not following me. Stay here. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm bringing this up because there is just a spirit of laziness and really a spirit of underachievement that is in the earth right now, especially here in America. It's a spirit of underachievement out there. And I'm worried that it's trying to leak into the minds and hearts of the church that you need to hunker down. We're still kind of locked down. Now, you may be listening to this and still locked down if you are. I complied with my civil authorities. I did it. But you know what? I didn't just just sit there and do nothing. I started this podcast in the wake of this pandemic. Uh, I've worked on writing books. That's uh, something that I'm just, you know, just tr trying to dabble in. I never wanted to write books until about two years ago, and I'm working on something and trying to better myself and educate myself in it. But let me, let me tell you, it's, it's a difficult task. And you ask authors, writing is hard. It's, it's the hardest thing I've ever tried to tackle. I'm trying to plan an Israel trip. Those are just little things I'm doing for myself. And aside from all of that, uh, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm a husband and I'm a dad trying to manage a house, keeping it going, keeping it working. Then, of course, uh, uh, I'm, I'm the uh, pastor-elect at a church. Served as associate pastor for many years before that youth pastor, now the pastor-elect. And working very hard with that and loving it, enjoying it. I'm trying my best to be like this, this servant for the nobleman that received one mina. And I can present it to the Lord and say, I got 10 from this. You know, this podcast really started with only one mina. And I'd like to think I've cranked it up to at least five. I don't know about a 10, but we're on our way. Praise God. It's going to be a 10 before the Lord comes back. But I'm trying to do that with my family. Started with just Amina, and I've taken it to a 10. 
trying to do this with all aspects of my life, all aspects of my ministry, making it better than the way I found it. Not growing it down, but growing it up. That is what I'm trying to do to please the Lord because I'm going to stand before God and give an account of what I did with what he gave me. I don't know. When I was when I was a late uh, about 18 or 19, I was praying one day and I just said, "Lord, I want this and this and this and this." And you know what, God? I don't want to get it for myself. I want you to give it to me. Because I want to turn around someday and say, "This is what God did for me and this is how he gave it to me." And I mean, I went down the line. I said, "Lord, I want a new car." And I want to be able to tell people, God gave me this car, and this is how he did it. I said, I want to have a, a Bible college education. But I don't want to say I did it. I want to say, God helped me get it. I wanted this ministry, that ministry. I wanted to get married. I wanted kids. I wanted all of these things. And I told God, I want all of these things, and I want you to give it to me because I want to testify to the world at how God gave it to me. And you know what? <laughs> God liked it. He liked knowing that I would give him that credit. And I've been telling my story, a lot of things that I never talked about on this podcast, such as how I got my wife, how I got my house, how the children came, how the ministry came, how everything came. And there's no way it was a coincidence. There was no way it was all me. It was the Lord supernaturally working with me. And that's how I think we should be doing with all of the aspects of our life, everything that God gives us, we should grow it for his name. We should grow it for his kingdom and grow it for his will. All of us have received a mina. You notice in the other parables, some got one, some got uh, two, some got five talents. There are certain aspects of life where we do not get equal amounts. You know, I'll, I'll just say it like this. As far as family dynamic goes, I got a five. I got great parents. I did. I had parents that loved me. I had parents that prepared me. I had parents that disciplined me. I had parents that praised me and were proud of me. And then, yes, a, a mom who loved me. But then a dad from time to time would say, Justin, you messed up. I had a five when it came to parents. I had a five when it came to grandparents. But I've got other preacher friends of mine. They did not get a five in the parent department. Some of them got a one. But you know what? It didn't stop them. They kept on going. They kept on growing. And they've taken what God has given them and just flourished with it. Jesus looks at the aspects of our life, what was given to us. It's kind of like a card game. The hand you are dealt. How well did you do with it? You know, I ought to be good. Of the parents I was given, I ought to be good. It would be a shame if I was in prison today with the parents that I had. And some people, I think there is more grace given to them because not everybody was given a five. There's some ministers out there never understood family dynamic and that stuff pours into their ministry. You know what? God has more patience with them than he does with me. Okay? And, and the examples just are, are everywhere about that. Some people were given a scholarship. If you were given a scholarship, hey, <laughs> you got a five. 
and some of us who made like D pluses and did cartwheels down the hall, <laughs> who had to pay our way through Bible college or whatever college, were given a one. You know what? There's some more leniency and grace in the eyes of God for us as far as the propelling of our education. Now, you think about it. You know what I'm talking about, examples in your life. There are things in your natural life. You were given a five, but your friend was given a one. If you have been given great health, you got a five. But maybe some of you, you developed some type of depression as a child because of the events that happened in your life. And you feel like you've got a one in the mental faculty department. Let me tell you this. There will probably be less required of you than somebody who has a five. But you know what you do? You just produce with it. You just go with it. You know, if you're one of those people, you feel like you are always a 30 with the word of God. You know what? Be happy with that. Yeah, if you can get 100, go for it. But not all of us have the word flourish in our life like everybody else. We're all different. We come from different places. But let me tell you, this parable, everybody gets the same amount. There are certain things in life, it is the same and equal amount. And I tell you where I think this is linked to. That is simply your salvation. Nobody has any more salvation than the other person. When you repent of your sins, when you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you and I all start with one mina. Oh, that coffee's good. I haven't been drinking a lot of coffee. When you get sick, your coffee just isn't good. Your body just doesn't want to be caffeinated, but, oh, I'm not enjoying this. Mm. <clears throat> your salvation starts out as one mina. And what God wants to know is can you take the power and the gift of heaven that is equal to all, that's been distributed to all. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same name. It's the same power. It's the same this and that. Can you take it and multiply it for something special and something great? Do you have it inside of you to make it into 10 cities or 10 minas to receive 10 cities? Do you have it inside of you to take just that one thing and make at least five to receive five cities as a reward one day? That's right. God wants to know, can you produce something with your great heavenly gift? Are you the type of person that can make it happen? You know, some of the, the first teachings of Jesus, he told them, he said, all of you are the salt of the earth. You are the thing that gives flavor it gives flavor to food. You are the thing that makes taste come alive in something. You're the thing that makes something pleasurable. And he said, also, all of you are in a city set up on a hill. You guys aren't in the valley. You guys aren't buried underground. You're the city set up on a hill. You're the city that everybody sees when they come into town. That's right. Salt is everywhere. It's like the number one seasoning out there. He said, you are salt. You're everywhere. You need to be seen. You know, you're not like a basil <laughs> or celery salt. Or I don't know. I don't, I don't cook a lot with our herbs. Whatever herb is in the back, you know. Paprika. Oh, no. Salt. Salt, salt, salt. Uh, do you see anybody putting fresh oregano on their fries? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's somebody on our pastoral staff at church. They like to put pepper on their ketchup. I, I don't understand it, but they put pepper on their ketchup. 
Uh, me, for the rest of us, all you podheads out there, we like that salt. Mm. Salt it up. Make your fingers swell up after you <laughs> after you eat salt. It's everywhere. It's on everything. That's who we're supposed to be. The city set up on a hill, the city that everybody can see. And he said, you're also the light. He said it when it's nighttime and you and you light your candle. You know, this is back then before lights and flashlights and stuff. They actually used actual flames with a little wick of oil and things like that. And did the Lord say, uh, stick it under uh, the bed or hide it? No, you don't do that. If you need to see at night, you don't hide your light. You show the light. So it lights up the room. That's who you are. You read in Revelation, Jesus appears before seven candlesticks, and those candlesticks represent the church. By the way, if you ever see a candle in a dream, it represents the church. That's right. You read in Revelation, that candlestick, it was actually the, the, the menorah, uh, the seven lamps uh, that was in the, the, uh, the tabernacle. That's how God views, that's the symbol of the New Testament church. It is the golden menorah, the golden lampstand. So that's another subject for another day. But Jesus said to the church, if you don't get it right, I'm going to take away your candlestick. Meaning God would rather have a world sit in darkness than have a church who won't show its light. Mm. I just want all of you to do something. You know, I've been seeing a lot of our apostolic singers going on tour lately. You listen to some of their stories. They came from nothing came from absolutely nothing and look at them now big productions phenomenal social media followings followings sold out crowds and you read their story they didn't come from anything great they didn't come from anything big they're like self-made men and women (laughs) i mean you look at a lot of the mainstream evangelists right now where they come from small towns some of them have been on this show. You know where they come from? Alaska. Some of them come from broken homes. Some of them at one point had horrible eating disorders, but lost a lot of weight and doing great. I know people. I mean, you, you, you look at the success that they have now in their ministry and you think, oh, they were just born that way. They were just hand, it was just all handed it to them. No wasn't handed to them by men. They had to work for it. But you better believe God said, here's Amina, do something with it. And they took it and did something with it. I'm talking to some of you right in your ear. You know you have got something inside of you. And you're not doing a thing with it. It's hidden in the handkerchief. It is time to break out and start multiplying your Minas. Get into a P7 club. Start it up. If you see a hole or something that needs to be done in your church, go to your pastor and say, with your blessing, I would like to do this for the church. I would like to do this for the church. A lot of you that listen to this, you're an expert at social media. I mean, you're like a native to it, and I'm an older millennial. I do remember what life was like before the Internet, but I can kind of you know, move around with it. But some of the things that kids are doing now with their uh, Instagram reels and TikTok, it is just so cool and creative. Why not go to your pastor and say, Pastor, I will be very discreet, but your preaching is phenomenal, and I would like to put some of these things on a church TikTok. I would like to put these things on an Instagram reel for the church. 
I, I mean, if you got to get real bold, just say the world out there is exhibiting their rear ends. Why can't we <laughs> exhibit the real Jesus, right? Put something good out there. If you got social media skills and you take it and make it into a 10, do something with it. Some of you, you are a, an incredible landscaper. You know how to put flowers down. You know how to get grass growing. And you're looking at your church's uh, lawn and it looks like a salad bar. But you don't care because it's not your lawn. Oh, you need to start caring. Go to the pastor. Go to the associate pastor and just say, hey, I want to volunteer my time and some of my resources with your blessing. This is the idea that I have. I don't want a title. I don't want to be recognized. I just simply want God's house to look a little bit better. Let me just come up here about four or five times this lawn season and help the church out. Can I do that? These are just small things. I could list for you tons of examples, but you know what I'm talking about. God gave you something special. He gave you salvation. And God is saying, can you take your salvation and reflect it here and now and grow it somewhere so that when I return, I can say, hey, they didn't just sit on their salvation, but they took that salvation and made something happen. They had faith in what I gave them. Let me tell you this, lazy is not going to work. I'm sorry, it's not going to work. This idea of sit down and do nothing, be a spiritual bum, that is fear according to the Lord. Laziness is fear. You know what fear is, right? That's a spirit of the devil. Sitting around doing absolutely nothing. It's not good. When God comes back, yeah, he's going to be happy, and it'll be great for a lot of people, but for those who did nothing, your salvation is going to be taken from you. Your joy is gone. Your peace is gone. You've got to do something with it. He's going to take it and give it to somebody who produces. So go out and make something happen. Make our Lord, the nobleman, very proud, very, very proud of what he's given to you. I'm Justin C. Gleason. all of you had a fantastic Easter Sunday, or an even better term for that is Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. Man, we had some great church here in Kansas City. Uh, we had baptisms. We had people getting the Holy Ghost. Uh, we had uh, d- demons came, <laughs> came out uh, of somebody. I observed it. I don't know if everybody else knew what was going on, but I saw it. It happened. And uh, I prayed for a sister in our church who's one of the worship leaders in our Spanish ministry. Went over her. I could see that she needed something from God. And I, I asked her, what would you like the Lord to do for you? And she said, I have horrible back pain. Absolutely horrible back pain. And I said, amen, let's pray. So I prayed. And you could feel God right there. I asked her, how do you feel? She said, the pain is still there. She said, but I feel God right now. I'm feeling the Lord. So we prayed again, a second time. I asked her how she felt. She said, the pain is still there. I said, we're going to pray one more time. And her husband was near. And I, I, I said, I'd like for you, husband, to lay your hand upon her back where the pain is. 
And we're going to pray. We're going to administer the laying on of hands. So he put his hand on her pain. And I just began to pray against that pain. And that sister began to tell me, I feel popping happening in my back. My back is popping. She said, I haven't felt popping in my back in years. And she said, I'm starting to feel better. And she started being mobile right there in the altar. I've I've heard that happen with people with back pain. Sometimes I've prayed for people and they said it feels like a a bucket of hot water dumped all over them, but it doesn't hurt. But there's just like an unusual warmth that feels like a bucket of water come down upon them. And I've heard of popping happening. Just the feeling of popping happening. It's like God aligning the spine or uh, resituating discs or doing something with uh, nerve flow or muscles or something like that. So uh, that happened on Easter Sunday. And, you know, at our church, we always have great church. But Easter Sunday for years, it was like everybody came and dressed in that one outrageous outfit. And the pastor preached a nice, happy message about Jesus coming out of the grave. And we kind of prayed. And then everybody ran outside for that egg hunt. I, I, I hated boiled eggs when I was a kid. I don't know, but they were just fun to catch. Or not catch, but fun to fun to find and put them in the little basket, you know. It was fun. But I don't know, about five, six, seven years ago, I told Dad, I said, Dad, we need to think about getting rid of this egg hunt. But you know why? Everybody's thinking about the egg hunt. People come here for the free egg hunt. And so we tried it. Uh, we just gave the kids a small little bag with loads of chocolate in it. And uh, we quit the egg hunt. And we noticed it. We got rid of the egg hunt. We started having church on Easter Sunday. Wow, how about that? Get rid of the egg hunt and have revival. That's right. Yeah, if you're not careful, your Christmas and your Easter can become very entertainment-driven and not message-driven. You keep it about the message, and God will do something. But if you, you want people to come in the power of the egg hunt, what can an egg do for you? Mm. <laughs> You know, I love Christmas. I like Santa. But if you make it all the Santa and all about the Christmas tree, and I like those things. I do. Some of you don't. But I happen to. And you make it all about that, you're going to have a hard time really touching hearts. Right? That's how it is. So, But uh, I want to give a shout-out to Jake Walden, a fellow podcaster who got engaged, it looks like, over Easter Sunday. Isn't that fantastic? He's in a healthy relationship. And uh, his sister, uh, Instagram influencer, Annabeth Walden, got engaged. That's right, to a very, very delicious man, it looks like. (laughs) So we're very happy uh, for the Waldens. Engagement is great. Having a fiancé is is, uh, absolutely wonderful, so we're happy for for them. Uh, Jake Walden has a... Fantastic podcast, one I really like. It's uh, primarily what I like. What I do, it's the type I like. I'm I'm not really much for a dialogue podcast. Uh, here and there, I like them, but I'm more into monologue podcast. Uh, just easier for me to follow. But he's got a a great um, interaction with listeners, a great quality of humor, and then of course some very uh, good practical stuff from the Word of God. It's called "What Was I Thinking." And uh, his cover art's pretty funny. He's got smoke coming out of his ears. (laughs) So I messaged him and I said, dude, you're in love. And he messaged back, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Uh, another thing, you know, it's kind of died down, but it it keeps coming back up in the news. And I don't know why is the the Chris Rock slap. 
I'm not going to talk about that, but it brings up the point. You know, my mind goes to the Bible with a lot of things. What did Jesus say? If you get slapped on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Offer the other cheek. And I think that's kind of what Chris Rock did. And he certainly didn't fight back. He kind of turned the other cheek. And uh, there's like there's no such thing as a joke anymore. Everything is literal, right? Just the the world that we live in. And um, I'm not going to offer my opinion about the situation, but I think there is value in turning the other cheek. You know that uh, that situation there, and I've I've talked about this before. Won't go into it, but essentially back then the Romans would slap a Jew on the face to to provoke them, to provoke them to do something illegal, and then then they could uh, seize them, control them, raid their house, and do all kinds of things, all in the name of legal Roman law. But Jesus taught that, offer the other cheek, it'll it'll help you stay out of trouble. You know, and offer the code and agree with your adversaries because of lawsuits and things like that. Well, it says in Lamentations chapter 30, or chapter 3, verse 30, let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of approach. You know, there's blessing in accepting the reproach of what you have done. There really is. And I've just seen it. People that tend to retaliate and get even in life, they don't go very far. But it's the people who forgive and move on. God blesses them with success. It's the greatest revenge you will ever have. That is successful living. Successful living. And you watch. You watch. Chris Rock is going to rise even higher. And you watch Will Smith is going to go even lower. And it's already happening. Obey these biblical principles that I'm talking to you about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Your Bible talks. Read it. Learn it. Put it in your heart. Put it in your life. All right. We got the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, and it's still happening. Mm. And it may go on for a while. Uh, speaking from an American point of view, it's it's a foreign war to us. It's a foreign war all over at least from what I can see, territory, religion, and culture. But who knows what else it's it's over. Um, I, I feel like not everything is as it appears. I, I felt that from the beginning. It's not as it, as it appears. It just doesn't feel like that. What I am afraid of is World War III. I don't want World War III. You want World War III? I don't want war. And it's bothering me that I hear... No talks of peace as of this recording. I don't see anything really about peace. Yeah, some are hinting at it, but no legit talks of peace yet. It's war. And uh, other nations are tr- they're trying to suck other nations into this war. And I'm just uh, really, really worried about this. And it, I'm worried about a coalition. Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran all moving together to come against all of their shared enemies. You don't think it could happen? Oh, it could happen. You know, not far from me is the World War I Museum. And World War I was started all over the egos of some Eastern European monarchs. And it was so, totally unnecessary. Totally senseless. But it just poof, exploded and there's war everywhere. Yeah, Russia's the aggressor. Putin is the aggressor. He's a dictator. You know, he wants Ukraine. He's going after it. And the bravery and the valor of the Ukrainians has just been so inspiring to me. 
I'm telling you, they have got fight in them. And I pray that the Lord helps them to continue to fight, to continue to fight. Praying for the church in Ukraine. Pray for them every day. Jesus' name. But what other nations out there, think about this, that do not like the existence of of another nation? China, it's pretty obvious. They don't like the existence of Taiwan. North Korea doesn't like the existence of South Korea. And, of course, Iran does not like the existence of Israel. And just the spirit of war, it's in the earth. I felt it around Christmas time. The spirit of war is in the earth, and here we are. So uh, don't just pray. Watch and pray. Keep watching. Watch and pray. Pray about what you see. Keep your eyes open and pray. Pray against war. I don't think the time is yet, but we're they're trying to suck us all into it. To have war, to tear the world apart and rebuild it on the socialist new world order. And that'll fail. Communism will come in. Communism will fail. And then the beast will try to arise. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows how it'll all go down. But I remember on February 23rd at 10 p.m. February 23rd, 2022, at 10 p.m., I was watching the news, and I saw that Russia was about to invade Ukraine, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. And I asked the Lord, God, what do I say about this to people? What do I say about this in the pulpit? What do I say about this in the podcast? I was like, you know, asking God, how do I judge Putin? How do I judge Russia? How do, how do I, you know, come down on him? God said, is this your call? Who made you a judge in this matter? Not at all what I was expecting. Uh, That tells me that God is saying, I'm doing something here, and I'm not talking about it to anybody. Have you heard any prophet arise up and explain this situation? I haven't yet. I mean, there's there's been a, a, a few doofuses out there that like to take events and squeeze it into Bible prophecy. I don't do that. There are other guys out there that made a lot of money on magazines and books and seminars and stuff on that. They take modern events and squeeze it into Bible prophecy. I don't do that. I do the real prophecy. And that is not squeezing events into prophecy, but rather let prophecy be fulfilled in events, actual events. It's not uh, as, as salesy. It doesn't get as many downloads as other people out there, but I've never been about clickbait. I've been about the truth. That's what I'm loyal to. And Russia is not the bear in the book of Daniel. That's the ancient kingdom of the the Medes and the Persians. Russia is not in Bible prophecy. Well, it kind of is. Jesus said nation would rise against nation. There you go. And that's what's happening. Nation is rising against nation. This is not the Gog and Magog prophecy happening right here. Uh, if it was, uh, Russia and Ukraine and all the other nations nearby would be invading Israel right now. Uh, do you see Russia and Ukraine uniting? It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Not doing it. So all these guys that are squeezing these events into Gog and Magog and all these other prophecies, uh, they need to put their seatbelt back on and, and be be safe with the word of God. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I remember what uh, Vladimir Putin said on February 23rd. He said, you know, in Russian, but he said, if you interfere from the outside, you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. 
You know what? I believe him. I think it's code for nuclear. Nuclear warfare. I don't want nuclear warfare. I'm not ready for it. Who is? Right? Okay. All right. You know, uh, we've been going a while. Let's keep on going. I, I need to get to some listener questions. It's all about the fans, right? I don't like calling it fans. The loyal listeners. Omar sent me a DM. He said, I wanted to just say, Brother Gleason, your podcast has blessed my life. I recently got on into it, and I have a long way of catching up, but I'm going to, but I'm so far, I'm enjoying every episode I've heard. Thank you for what you do and what you share. God bless you and your family in Jesus' name. Omar, you sound like a, a binge listener. <laughs> There's quite a few of you out there. Uh, people do that. And uh, I, I get tempted at times to take down some of the old episodes, but I, I see it every, every month in our stats. There, Every episode gets played, so we'll keep them up as long as people are listening. But I'm I'm glad you found the podcast. I'm glad it's a blessing to you. I'm glad it's something for you to hold on to and something very special. And yeah, a lot of those old episodes, people have started from the beginning and coming all the way to now. I you know they're not really uh, episodic or serial. They, they kind of all stand alone. But it's neat to hear from people that have gone back and listened to it and they talk to me and I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you said all of these things. I'm like, I did. <laughs> Maybe I should go back and listen. But uh, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your listenership. Caleb sent a message to justincgleason at gmail.com. Hmm. He said, the missing 411 disappearances are quite interesting. I would really like to know your thoughts on these very unusual disappearances. I am completely convinced that this stuff has to do with the end times. Ooh. Thank you so much for your content. Very inspiring. Well, the 411 disappearances. I, I hadn't looked into this in a while. Kind of forgot what they were. That I had to uh, jog my memory. But if, if you notice the, about these 411 disappearances, it's people that uh, vanish and like appear where they shouldn't be. And it's just mystified the police, mystified the FBI, all of that. You have to do some digging into it. But... I want you to think about this as far as like going from it from a spiritual point of view. I, I don't know. Uh, but my thoughts on this is most disappearances happen in the woods. These 411 disappearances, it's always in the woods. And then usually they end up being found on a mountain somewhere like way up high or like they'll find them across the national park, like way across the national park. Like like a, like a two week walk across the national park, and no trace of footprints. It's just weird how they go from one place to another. So some people are saying Bigfoot is kidnapping people and taking them places, and some are saying the aliens are doing it, etc. As far as spiritual and end times, I don't know. I'd be interested in hearing your opinion on it. My uh, theory: everybody's got a theory. I think there's just portals. In the earth. I really do. I can't prove this. I've never seen one, but just based upon information that I've read, that's the conclusion I draw. There are just time and space portals th uh, throughout God's creation here on the earth and up in space, little you know, pockets uh, of, of portals. And they're here and there, you know, and uh, they, they just behave strangely. 
time and space behave strangely in certain parts of the earth, like in the woods. Or uh, how about the Bermuda Triangle? Right, ships and planes behave strangely in that part. There's just various places throughout the earth, and you you can look them up. Uh, these 411 disappearances, people end up being where they shouldn't be. Uh, time and space behaves differently in certain pockets of the earth. And the Bible says creation groans as the end approaches. Uh, you got plate tectonics, <laughs> earthquakes, other weird things happening. And I think time and space probably is just behaving stranger and stranger as we approach the coming of the Lord. So, yeah, it's, it is it is spiritual. It's the earth, it's natural, but earth, time and space, all of these natural elements are behaving strangely. That's that's what I think. Am I weird? I'm not weird, but my idea is weird. We'll leave it at that. Jesse sent me a DM. He says, hey, sir, just want you to know that I'm a huge fan, a fan of your podcast. A lot of your episodes have really spoken to my life. My wife and I are expecting our first baby. Mm. I would also like to say that you have inspired my friend and I to do a podcast, and him and I are getting the details together now and our sound equipment. We are going to use, and hopefully we can be on the air in just a couple of months. Thank you for your sacrifice for the kingdom of God. God bless you, sir. Wow. Jesse, congratulations to you to to you and to your wife on the uh, baby that is soon to get here. That is fantastic. I've been getting a lot of those messages. We produced some episodes about having children, and it's uh, miracles have been happening in, in the lives of husbands and wives and our listeners, and I'm just so thankful for that. Uh, children are a blessing. They are a treasure. They are a blessing. They're a treasure. Jesus' name, healthy baby. Healthy baby girl in Jesus' name. So uh, also congratulations on your podcast. I wish you success. And when you publish a couple episodes, please contact me and we'll get you on here for a guest appearance. I feel good knowing that I've uh, inspired you. It means a lot to me. Podcasting, it's it's the art of the spoken word. And I think it's a great format for apostolic content. So put out the insight, get the fire going, and a little flair of humor. You have those three things. Those are the main ingredients to becoming a good, good podcaster. I love all of you very, very much. Thank you for listening. It's 2022, the year we prevail. 